Welcome to Call Jeshurun, a podcast from Congregation B'nai Jeshurun, a vibrant and flourishing Reformed Jewish community in Short Hills, New Jersey. Welcome. I am Rabbi Matthew Gewertz. Call Jeshurun is where you can come to engage with teachings of relevant wisdom and music. You will hear from our clergy, staff, and guest speakers who will help bring meaning into a world that so badly needs it. If you would like to learn more about our congregation, please visit us at tbj.org. I love how the Creator weaves us together, and I, I'm a little black girl from Colorado who's here in New Jersey. Um, and I'm so excited to be here. And I look back when I was in Sunday school um, in our church, I went to a Christian non-denominational church and Tirza and Tara Becker um, were in our Sunday school and they were Jewish. And their dad, um, we had Passover every year. And so it was awesome. And so the connections um, from a very little girl. And I want to um, let you guys know, thank you for inviting me. I, I am coming straight from school. Um, and I'm wearing my handy-dandy running shoes. I'm actually a runner. Um, but darn it, two and a half months ago, I got shingles. Who knew, right? And so, yo. And I just saw someone tap, Daddy, yo, buddy, listen, listen, I will forever get the shingles uh, vaccination for the rest of my life. Um, but I also, um, I have multiple sclerosis. And so anytime you get um, a cold or a sinus infection and you have multiple sclerosis, your body just kind of does really foolish things. And so um, I'm so very grateful to God that I am absolutely um, recovering. And so I'm so glad to be with you today. Um, so I won't be long, uh, but let me see. So before these wisdom highlights that my sister likes to call them, uh, I knew that I could change the world. And even if not the world, I was positive that I could at least make a big impact in my little corner, at least a dent, something. And so I, my state mentor, um, in fact, I've actually been in the same South Ward um, within a two-mile um, circumference for the last 26 years. Um, so I've been in schools all just only in Newark and right in the South Ward. Um, but my state-appointed mentor when I first started said, listen, you only have to reach one if you can just reach one. Garbage. What, what is he talking about? Would that work for anything? So I saw 50 kids. And so... If I only reached one, I was doing well, get out of here. If I only reached 25, that's still failing. And so I thought, well, maybe he means one a day. And I thought, no, but I, I'm an overachiever. I, um, anybody here know anyone from Teach for America? 
Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'm Teach for America. And so that's why I came from Colorado. And I came to make it happen. And so I was like 50, okay, okay, got it. Every seven hours, you know, every, every hour, I need to definitely impact at least seven of my students. And then if I do that, then I'll definitely be able to reach the 50 each day. So I had plans. And, but my administrators um, and also books that I read um, always said that you can't control what happens at home. And so what you have to do is double down and triple down at school. And so I did that. And so that looked like getting to school um, at 7 a.m. That looked like driving children home at 9.30 at night. That meant buying clothes. That meant volunteering on the weekends and in the summer to do special reading programs. And so I did all that. And I meant well, but my efforts were short-sighted, they were limited, and frankly, they were arrogant. And so since I'm still in touch with many of my students, I know that my naivety did not ruin them. I know that I didn't cause irreversible harm to them. Um, but guys, I know that when I look at my immediate community 25 years later, my community is no better off for me being there. <sighs> that is heartbreaking. That is heartbreaking. See, the problem was that my stance negated the importance of home. And uh, when I was reading in this precious book about, I was, I was trying to pretend like I was saying like special wordings and I was trying to, but I really knew I didn't totally understand, but I was reading all the English, of course, and I was like, okay, okay, okay. And the words about home, ah, uh, it, it's so very clear. Um, when Yahweh, in his supreme wisdom and sovereignty, said no more enslavement and no more wandering. When he said, listen, the route that could have taken, it, it only took two weeks, but because you um, are not great listeners, um, it's going to take you 40 years. God eventually said no more. He said yes to a home and not just any home, like Canaan the land of milk and honey. Get out of here, really? Like that kind of home. Like, like the original home, like the garden that he created. That was his intention. And somehow, we have moved so far away from that ideal. Um, whole groups of people have been restricted, redlined, in fact denied the American dream. 
I negated the importance of home, not because I didn't know it was important, but I negated it because it just seemed impossible. And I think that nobody has yet figured it out, um, how to even the playing field when it comes to homes. And so folks like me, well-meaning people, we create programs and busyness and activities that we can point to to say, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. And it helps us assuage the guilt or the responsibility for the deficits that have intentionally been created by our society. But see, it helped at least satisfy the ache that burdened my heart. By pouring out everything in my heart and my soul and my spirit to my students, although exhausting, it helped numb a little bit of the agony. So, uh, so my first year, 26 years ago, I was so clueless. I look back and I just think, oh my, thank you for being so patient with me. And, but LaQuisha taught me never to feel sorry for my children. And that was the most important lesson I could have learned. And it's funny, last night I spoke to LaQuisha. Um, she's living in Atlanta. Um, she has a son. Um, she is an incredibly hard worker. Um, and she's now pouring in to two little children um, that live in a complex near her. And in the same way, I found out after the fact that LaQuisha, the reason she was in so many fights was because the children brutally made fun of her, because her hair was never done, because her clothes were always dirty, because there was an unnatural stench. And I didn't put it together until later um, because I'd have LaQuisha come early to help her with her homework, but then she'd be one of the ones staying late, but then she still had homework to do and stuff. But then she'd come the next morning and the homework wasn't done. And I found out, you know what? That's because when you live in an abandoned home where there are no lights and there's no running water, you don't get to stay up and do your homework or take showers, or wash your clothes. And, but she taught me, don't you dare feel sorry for me. Equip me. Give me ideas of what I can do so that when I grow up, I can now pour into other little children that have suffered like I have suffered because I can love them and give them dignity. And so, although, I did some awesome things. 
I didn't address the elephant of inequity. It also caused me to unfairly judge many of my parents. I would be indignant that a parent would allow their child to be ridiculed because the tape holding up their glasses kept unraveling and because their clothes were dirty. But instead of seeking understanding or trying to figure out resources for them to figure out, I simply bought new glasses and I took their clothes home to wash. You caught that, right? <laughs> I had the luxury of taking them home to wash them. <laughs> and Yahweh knows that we need reminding, which is why he has established so many remembering celebrations. It's why we're now concluding Sukkot, so that we don't forget how grateful we should be, so we don't forget how and what our ancestors did. I realize that sometimes it's easier to be ignorant because, <laughs> and I read it here, and I couldn't stop crying when I read this because this says, when will redemption come? It says, when we grant everyone what we claim for ourselves. Drop the mic, no more conversation needed. Like, really? It says it, I, I, I see it. Because I felt like, what do we do here? Like, this is so hard. But it says, when will redemption come? When I can see, when the tears are gone so I can read, when we grant everyone what we claim for ourselves. Wow. So that's why when you know better, though, darn it, you have to do better. And so when I learned some alarming numbers, I had to do things differently. And I'm realizing now um, I have to do things differently. Because um, it doesn't matter how many nice things I've done. And I've done lots of nice things. Because I know you've done lots of nice things also. And it's not to say that those are not important, because they are. So please don't hear what I'm not saying. But I realized I've always been a huge proponent of working hard. My mom um, didn't finish high school. And there were four kids that she raised as a single mother. And I saw my mother never be a martyr. But as she was washing my breath, because we, um, we didn't have a washing machine at home. Um, and we didn't have the money to go to the laundromat. So my mom would wash our clothes out by hand, which is fine when it's, I, there were three little girls, 
and you have like little cotton dresses and stuff, and that's cute. You can just wash them by hand. But when you have a really tough boy who we used to have tough skin jeans and she's washing those, her knuckles would bleed. And I would see my mom's knuckles bleed. But she never complained. My mother never complained. And when I went home 10 years ago, October, um, to walk my mom through chemo and radiation, I said, Mom, I was bragging. Mom, I am such a hard worker. You've taught me to be such a hard worker. The reason I get to take this break and come be with you for this three months is because I don't take sick days. And my mom said, sick days? My mom never worked a job where you got sick days. If you didn't work, you did not get money. And if you did not get money, you could not feed your children. So she said, so well, I guess my last sick day was 25 years ago when I gave birth to your sister. Oh my gosh. So then I got real quiet. So, and I realized young people, the older you get, the, grow, the more, when you start getting these wisdom highlights, you're gonna start appreciating your parents even more because we don't realize until we're like, yeah, wow. So the idea of just working hard and being able to um, make it is just not true. I, have, I absolutely see my impact um, because as I said, I'm in touch with many of my kids. They have, many of them have full-time jobs, some even with benefits. Their children read, they're on honor roll. I have several of their students. And it's amazing they do not act like their parents acted when they were in my class. And so to that, I think, that was good work. But none of them are homeowners. In 26 years, none of my former children are homeowners. And so the question is, why not? And why does that even matter? It's because that's the only way to truly have equity. In New Jersey, um, I shared this with my math, my eighth grade students today, because never in the South Ward where I am, have we had children um, be able to take algebra in eighth grade? Right? And some of you are like, what the heck? What do you mean? I don't know, but my district has never thought that a school in the South Ward was worthy of having an eighth grade algebra class. So there are some schools in Newark that have algebra for eighth grade. But a lot of them don't look like my children. And so last year I was like, that is ridiculous. And so I was like, we're gonna get an algebra class. So we have, we're, we're starting it, but there's only um, a handful of kids that are gonna be able to take it. We'll start with that for right now so that they can see that no, we really can do this. But 
we were talking to them today about how algebra is the gateway to every other math class and higher education. And so I asked them to write down this number. I said, write down 352,000. So they wrote down 352,000. I said, okay, now put a W next to that. And so I started talking, and I said, okay, I'm going to tell you what that means. And I said, well, what's median mean? How do you find the median? Oh, yeah, you, you put the biggest number, then you put the lowest number, and then you just count to the very middle. You don't average it, and then you just pluck it from the middle. So I said, yes, that 352,000 is the median net wealth of white families in New Jersey. 352,000 is the median net wealth. So I said, okay, what do you think it is for Latino families? And they were like, and immediately, everybody knew, oh, it's not gonna be the same. So they're like, well, uh, probably about 150,000. And I was like, okay. I said, write this number down. 7,100, right? And my kids, their faces, and I wanted to be able to explain to them how that was even acceptable. But I said, so what do you think it is for black families? And so at that point, they didn't even want to answer because they don't want, they're like, wow, it just, the answer is 6,100. So 7,300 for Latino families, 6,100 for black families. It seems absolutely impossible, but I promise you it is not. And what influences wealth, and especially generational wealth, Home ownership, yeah, home ownership. My math teacher told them the difference between, so with 352,000, you could buy a home. With 7,000, you could buy a smart board. In 1848, Horace Mann declared that education was the great equalizer. He did not have my students in mind. It was 1848. He wasn't thinking about my kids. So the true equalizer is education and home ownership. So how do we get there? I haven't figured it out yet, but I have a feeling that we can figure it out. When will redemption come? When we grant everyone what we claim for ourselves. So if you want to think more deeply about this, where might you start? Patty Nathan, keep being a blessing. Keep being who you are. Keep being kind. That, keep, stay there. So whatever you're doing that's kind, keep doing that. 
Patty, the reason that several of my students, many of my students, have been able to be at school this last three weeks is because they're wearing uniforms that you helped bring them. And the young ladies that have the sanitary napkins that you've helped provide brings a dignity that you wouldn't think about. So keep doing it. Robin, keep being a CASA rep. Keep seeing your children and their parents for who they are. Children of the Most High God. Keep doing that. The other things that we might do, here's a question. Do you own your home? Would you be willing to help talk through, step by step, how you do that? With somebody? For those of you that know algebra, young people who took algebra, would you be willing to help tutor some of my kids who maybe the district thinks it's not really worth putting too much effort into them because they can't do algebra, would you be willing to help? If you have not read the book, Cast, C-A-S-T-E, by Isabel Wilkerson, would you consider reading it? And finally, would you find other like-minded people to brainstorm so we could figure out how to be brave enough to grant everyone what we claim for ourselves? Thank you for listening to this edition of Call Jeshurun. If you would like to learn more, visit our website at tbj.org and follow us on social media for updates on all our upcoming opportunities for engagement. We really hope to see you soon.